0: The Lord's return is soon and sudden. Encouraging us to be ready, here's Pastor Ed Ray. In a moment, in the twinkling of an
1: eye, we shall all be changed. Billy Graham spoke of this, said, We are to wait for the coming of Christ with patience, we are to watch with passionate anticipation. We are to work with zeal. We are to prepare with urgency. Scripture says Jesus Christ is coming when you least expect him. Coming as a thief. He said, be prepared. Get ready. Prepare to meet thy God. Are you prepared?
0: Zion I built with hands and in this place got to dwell with man. Sick be and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice. Everyone, faith, hope, love and harmony I say let this world know me by your love Ready or not, Jesus is coming Of course we'll want to be ready The soon and sudden coming of the Lord for his followers Has many exciting and hopeful implications And that's our focus today on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray We're so glad you tuned in today It's timely, for the Lord's return is at hand. And this truth offers much needed hope for a hopeless world. Not only in our day today, but also in the day this scripture was first given. Beginning on that point from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, here's Pastor Ed. In
1: the Greek culture, Roman Empire at this time, they had no hope for after death. In fact, some of their philosophers wrote some pretty depressing things. Achaites wrote, Once a man dies, there's no resurrection. (laughs) Theodocris wrote, There is a hope for those who are alive, but those who have died, they're without hope. Wow, that's a happy thought. Catullus wrote, When once our brief light sets, there is one perpetual night through which we must sleep. Doesn't that cheer you up? The most common Roman tombstone, the epithet on it is I was not, I became, I am not, and I care not. Wow. <laughs> uh, hmm. But we have a hope. We have an expectation. We can rejoice because God has left us this information that those that have departed from us are in heaven with Him. And when we take our last breath here, we will be in his presence, too. Let's go a little deeper. Verse 14. For if we believe, I mentioned a class condition. The Greek language, the word if, can be taken several ways. This is the word since in the English language, not a great translation of this verse. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him, capital H, Jesus, those who sleep in Jesus Paul reminds the believers of what they already believe they believe that Jesus died and rose and was seen by 500 people many of whom were still alive when Paul wrote this they testified to having seen Jesus in his resurrection body complete with scars and all Jesus is coming back he says this is exactly what we believe he conquered death he's coming back so that he will recover our bodies 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, and 10. We studied that already. God is going to come back and leave nothing to Satan. He's taking it all back. Everything is redeemed, including your old body. Secondly, he's coming to serve us, 1 Thessalonians 2:19 and 20, in this reunion party. And then, thirdly, he's going to provide assurance for us of our relationship with him when suddenly we lift off with him. So, Paul is reminding the Thessalonians that they will see those whom they love who have gone to be with the Lord again. Their loved ones, in fact, are coming back with Jesus. That's what this says. Bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. The believer can be assured that we will see our loved ones again because Jesus conquered death. He went into the grave, three days, came back, and you can be assured that you will do the same thing, and it has happened to all those who have died, their soul and spirit gone to be with the Lord. So what does it mean, sleep, pastor? It says those who sleep in Jesus. Sleep was a Greek and a Roman euphemism, a colloquialism. It's like me saying, my mom has passed away. We like to soften <laughs> that whole death thing, and that's okay, but even in the Old Testament, this idea was brought forward. First Kings 2:10, David slept with his ancestors. Sleep, however, only applies to your physical body. It does not apply to your soul and spirit. They are with the Lord. Paul says so, second Corinthians chapter five, verse eight. Paul wrote that he preferred rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. In Philippians one twenty-three, he expressed his, quote, desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is much better. Looking forward to death, he said, I'll stick around for you guys because you need me, but hey, it'd be a lot more fun when I'm with the Lord. Jesus spoke about sleeping in John 11:11. He was with his disciples down at Bethabar, down at the Jordan River. And his friend Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, had died. And there's this conversation going on between him and his disciples. These things he said. And after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps. But I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, well, if he sleeps, Lord, he'll get well. I'm sure Jesus hit his forehead a lot, but I'm really glad that the disciples just asked questions like that because I probably would have asked them and then I don't look so dumb, they did it for me. However, Jesus spoke of his death and they thought he was speaking about resting in sleep. Jairus' daughter, a 12-year-old little girl in Mark five thirty-nine. Jesus comes into the room. There's these professional wailers there, mourners. And he said, why are you making all this commotion and weeping? The child is not dead. She is sleeping. Now, don't let this terminology confuse you. Jesus is talking about our current physical body, not our soul and spirit. In Luke 16:20. Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. You'll remember that Lazarus was a poor man. The rich man threw a few crumbs his way. They both died. And Lazarus went to paradise, and the rich man went to a hot place with a big abyss in between. But they were both conscious. They're both wide awake. They knew exactly what was going on. These verses teach us that believers go consciously into the Lord's presence at death. There are some today who teach soul sleep. This is not a biblical doctrine. Jehovah's Witnesses are the most well-known for teaching that. But how could unconsciousness be very much better, Paul said, than conscious communion with Jesus Christ in this life. Paul says, I wanna go be with him, it's so much better. If you're asleep, soul and spirit, how is that better? Jesus promised the repentant thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Moses and Elijah's souls are not asleep when they appeared with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17:3. Tribulation martyrs are described in Revelation 6:9, very much awake. How long, O Lord? They say, before you will avenge us? Those beheaded for their faith. No, there are very conscious people in heaven, and they're awaiting Jesus to come and do something. Even so, God will bring with Him those, all of them, who are in heaven. Jesus is coming back with who sleep in Jesus. He's coming again for his church, and God is going to bring with him all of these whom we love, believers, often called the first resurrection. We'll study the second resurrection when we get to the book of Revelation. So that's sleeping saints. Only their bodies sleep because Jesus is going to reclaim them. How? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 15. For this we say to you, by the word of the lord paul says this is not my opinion this is what jesus taught me what he told me to write that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the lord will by no means precede those who are asleep go before those who are asleep so they're worried that grandma is in the grave and somehow missed out And paul says no not to worry about grandma she's going before you <laughs> in fact her body's gonna pop together with her soul and spirit And then, later, you and I will get to join them. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So there's going to be three sounds evidently here, three different audio events, if you will. The first one is a shout, probably from Jesus, although it doesn't say exactly. Jesus shouted when he stood in front of Lazarus' grave, remember? Lazarus had died. Four days later, Jesus shows up. He says, show me the grave, roll back the stone. He said, but Lord, he stinketh. I love the King James. He stinketh. (laughs) They rolled it back, and Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he did. Now, he had to say, Lazarus, come forth, because he had, had he said he's in a cemetery. And he says, come forth? Everybody would come out, it'd been a mess, there'd be overcrowding. You'd have to say, no, you guys go back, I'll be back later. (laughs) Lazarus, you come forth. And so he did. We don't know what the words are, but maybe it's come forth. Whatever it is, it's a sound that every believer's body will hear in every grave on planet Earth. Is that like the craziest story you've ever heard? Is this like the, either the biggest fairy tale ever perpetrated upon the face of the earth, or it's truth? <laughs> this is truth. Crazy, cool truth for all of us. So we got a voice, a shout, evidently, a cry of excitement, and then we have an archangel. The only archangel that's named in Scripture is Michael. He's named in the New Testament Jude. There he's called the Archangel. There's that article in front of it. He may be the only one, we don't know for sure. And Michael himself is here to say, come on <laughs> out of
0: those graves. Exciting truth Pastor Ed is expounding on today on growing grace. Here now is Pastor Ed with part two of today's teaching and the third sound we'll hear at the coming of the Lord. From 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. We got a shout, a voice, and a trumpet.
1: The trumpet of God. The third sound is this trumpet call. It was heard at Mount Sinai when the law was given. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 also describes it. There it says, behold, Paul speaking, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, bodies. Not all believers will go to heaven by death. We will not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the last trumpet sound. I love this verse, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We used to have it on our nursery door, and it was to encourage moms, you know, your babies may not sleep, but we'll keep them changed until you get back. We're not all going to die, and some of us are going to see. Now, when it says uh, the twinkling of an eye is probably a reference to blinking your eyes. Now, physiologists have measured the twitch muscles in our body, and they time them. And the fastest twitch muscle in the human body is the eye, the blink of an eye. Only one fiftieth of a second to blink your eye very, very fast. A person blinks an average of 25 times in a minute. we blinking a lot normally. But that also means that if you drive somewhere at 60 miles an hour for 10 hours, Five of those miles are done with your eyes closed. Just wanted you to know. (laughs) Why are there so many accidents? Well, people are driving with their eyes closed, actually. The dead in Christ will rise first. I used to think this was about the old church I went to, but it's not. (laughs) Sorry, just giving you ammunition for your friends. Oh yeah, you are gonna rise first, all of you. You're the ones who are dead in Christ. Well, what about that, pastor? What about those dead bodies? How are they going to come together? Listen, I know for God it's not a big deal. He put you together the first time in your mother's womb. That's what Psalm 139 says. I love the story of uh, Roger Williams. He was one of the founders of Rhode Island. And there's a great story about Roger Williams. When he died, they put him in a proper wooden casket and buried him. And somebody planted an apple tree next to his grave. Well, after about 40 or 50 years, they realized he's one of the founding fathers, and this is not a suitable grave for him, we need to have a big granite, edifice built, and chiseled his name in it, and all the important things he had done, so they dug him back up. But when they dug down, they found that the apple tree's root had gone into the casket. Now it's right before lunch, so I'm not going to give you too much information. But I want you to know that the root of that apple tree went down his head and down his spine and his legs, and it looked like a man. How did God get him back together? It's no problem for the creator of the universe. But afterwards, people began to think, you know, I think I ate an apple from that tree. (laughs) My grandmother made apple pie, apple dumplings from that tree. I ate Roger Williams fed some to my horse. (laughs) Roger Williams is spread all over Rhode Island. (laughs) I could go on, but you get my point. (laughs) God will take care of it, not to worry. He puts it all back together. doesn't matter if you fall off a ship and get bitten in half by a shark and the other half is eaten by shrimp and barracudas and everything else. He'll get you back together. Me too. Verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. arpeggio in the Greek language. When Jerome wanted to translate the Bible into Latin, he used the word raptural. And caught up is, we still have in English the word rapt. We have rapt attention, ascending attention. It's going up. So they shall be caught up. People who are alive are walking around and boom, they're caught up. Together with them, the people who are coming back with Jesus as their soul and spirit and their bodies come together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. <laughs> so those who are dead in Christ, their bodies will stand up. The Greek word is anastasis. And it means dead body stand up. The body reaches stasis, and then we will spend eternity with the Lord, we'll always be with the Lord. Now Paul says something interesting. He says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now there are uh, a number of denominations that question this whole chapter, set of verses that I'm talking about and say, well, you know doesn't really make sense with our scheme of theology. We have a systematic theology. This doesn't fit in. Sorry, it's the Bible. God says this is the way it works. And he said it should be a comfort to us. Now, if you believe that you're going to have to go through seven years of tribulation, those of you that have studied this know what I'm talking about. If you understand that you have to go through seven years of war that'll affect the whole earth where a third of the Population of the earth will be destroyed. Let's see what else happens. All the water turns to blood. All the environment is wiped out. Uh, Demons show up and gnaw on people for five months. Uh, The sun gets hotter by seven times and burns people. Where's the comfort in that? There isn't any. You see, I'm trying to encourage you to see that this was meant to be a comfort for people. And if I say to you, well, Jesus is coming, but he's not coming for a while. You know, we got a lot of stuff to happen yet. we got this tribulation. No, 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 no. Jesus could come at any moment. He could come today. I hope he does, and then he can finish this chapter next week. It'll be a lot better for all of you. Have Jesus describe it. I want to stir the flame in you, that he could come. Look around. Israel is a nation again for the first time in 1900 years. The first time in history that a language has been completely lost. Hebrew is now spoken again in the world by 8 million people. Hmm. What a coincidence. God said that Israel would come back together again. And for the first time in history, we have the ability to annihilate the earth 50 times over. Now, that's a helpful thing. Pastor, I thought you said you were going to comfort me. I'm sorry. You're right. Comfort one another with these words. Jesus, he's coming before that happens. That's the good news. He's coming. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write you, for you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. You don't know, I don't know, no one knows when he's coming. But he comes when it's unexpected. That's the whole point. And when they say peace and safety, when it seems like everything's fine, then sudden destruction comes upon them. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman, then they shall not escape. You need to make up your mind. Because Jesus is coming. There's an inscription on the dome of the Capitol. If you go there, and I went and checked it out, and go to the back side of the circle, kind of like the front of our balcony right there, there's chiseled across it these words. One far-off event, a divine event, towards which the whole creation moves. And then it stops. We don't know how it got there. It's not in the notes when the architects drew it. It's not part of any notes of the people who constructed it, but somebody who understood that Jesus was coming put it in the rotunda of the U.S. Capitol, one far-off divine event towards which the whole creation is moving even now. The Jacobites of Scotland, I'll close with this, were a group of people that were waiting for their king, King Richard, to come back. He, he came back and it didn't work out so well. But every time they met together and had a meal, they would toast the coming king. Actually, believers do that same thing. I hope you went to the communion table when you had an opportunity. If not, you can do it afterwards. And when we come to the communion table, we are, in fact, doing the exact same thing. Listen, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death until he comes. That's what we just did when we received communion. We celebrate that he's coming again. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. Billy Graham spoke of this, said, we are to wait for the coming of Christ with patience. We are to watch with passionate anticipation. We are to work with zeal. We are to prepare with urgency. Scripture says Jesus Christ is coming when you least expect him. Coming is a thief. He said, be prepared, get ready, prepare to meet thy God. Are you prepared? D.L. Moody said, it's our privilege to know that we are saved. Do you know that?
0: Pastor Ed Ray urging us to be ready for the Lord's return. If there's any uncertainty, you can make sure by bowing the knee to the Lord Jesus. For the Bible assures us, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is Grow in Grace. We're traveling through 1 Thessalonians at the present time. If you've joined us late or you just want to hear this again, go online to thepackinghouse.org. We archive our programs there for you, so you can listen any you'd like. Or you can call and ask for a CD copy at 844-77-GRACE. You know, it takes a team to bring Grow in Grace to you and we look to our listeners to help make all of this possible we have an exciting resource to tell you about it's true spirituality by francis schaefer after serving the lord as a pastor for many years francis began to wonder if christianity really made a difference in people's lives true spirituality you could say is the result of his effort to re-examine his faith And if you want to discover what true spirituality looks like in everyday life, this is the book for you. We'll send you a copy when you support Grow in Grace today with a gift of any amount. And as you give, you'll be helping many others around the country and around the world to grow in grace as well. Just give us a call, 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. You know, even if you're not in a position to be able to give, we still want to hear from you. Your email would be a great encouragement to Pastor Ed. This lets us know where Grow in Grace is having an impact by God's grace. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us for the next Grow in Grace as our study of 1st Thessalonians continues with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, I with hands and in this place got to dwell with man. Sick and the crippled Hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love and harmony. Let this world know me by your love